0: Uh, we're going to look here in Ephesians 4:11. I want to talk about church growth tonight. And um, but before I get going, uh, thank you for that that summary. I, I, it's really important to me that you're getting what we're what we're sharing. Uh, by the way, Pastor Ramirez kind of kept me in the loop about your homeworks, and uh, thank you for taking that seriously. Uh, because uh, I mean I really enjoy reading and, and looking at your quizzes you've done you're doing very well you're doing very well um, some of you have had late stuff so I've been trying to be as gracious as I can on that so that's okay don't worry about it we'll 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 uh, work without the iPad tonight but ephesians 411 um, so when we think about we think about growth. When you look all through the book of Acts, you see this amazing statement: "God added to the church as He wanted." You, I, I think it's like five or seven times, uh, if not more. God added to the church. God added to the church. So, when we consider growth, we can have like this mindset of marketing uh, ploys or some sort of like strategy. And I would just say this, it's not wrong to have creative things that you do to grow your church. But be careful that you don't become this Christian marketer, you know, and um, because really God adds to the church as he wills. And one of the secrets I think we've been saying over and over in this semester is if God sends you people, and we don't take care of them, disciple them, visit them, hear their story, uh, really uh, spend time with them. Why would He send you more people? I think that principle is really, uh, really important because, uh, you know, God will will send us people if we take it seriously. And and what I mean by taking it seriously, we're praying, we're preaching. And we're going to go into tonight the, um, this little book all by itself. I want to go over a couple points because remember, that's your third essay. That's going to be due that's going to be due on the 17th. Remember, just as by review here, December 4th, does everyone know about the Caroling, right? We can caravan from here, but we're meeting in Frederick. I mean, Boyette probably will be our point person. But we're, we're meeting at Baker's Park at 4 pm. There'll be caroling and there'll be a wrap with food afterwards, but it will be fifty percent of your final. Okay, the other fifty percent will be a written test. Okay, so this is not a suggestion. It is it is something I'm asking you to do, uh, and you'll do it with Pastor Dennis's class. Do it. It's going to be a blast. I'll be in Atlanta, but Boyette will be the representation of the class with you with Pastor Dennis. So. December 4th. Really have that clear in your mind. So we'll probably caravan out of here around three o'clock, be at Baker's Park at four. But I'll let I'll let uh, Boyette work with that. Um, but I want to just say this is that God adding to the church, like sometimes people have this idea that I have a small church. I have a small church and they kind of get down on themselves. And there's no such thing as a small church. Just let's get that straight, straight up here that if God is at the head, then if I have one person, or five people, or 30 people, we're, we're stewards, we're good stewards of the manifold grace of God, amen? First Peter 5.10, we are stewards of people, amen? So do we want a full house? Yes, we do, right? So prayer, evangelism, uh, discipleship, uh, preaching, these are obvious things that are non-negotiables. It means that we don't stop doing it, right? No one shows up for evangelism, I still go evangelizing. Why? Because evangelism is for me. It sharpens me, right? Uh, and it shar- And people watch your life. People will say, "Hey, wow, you know, what is it about you that um, you know?" I talked to a lady in Tucson, Arizona. She goes. She goes. I have such a fire to go. I have such a fire to go soul winning. I'm like, great. She goes. No one will come with me. I'm like, okay, you know, we'd we'd like we believe in the two by two principle, but go by faith and be a friendship evangelism. Uh, you know, minister to people in your uh, in your neighborhood, but but we just speak life and love people where they are. But so, church growth. How, how do you think about it? It's kind of interesting. Like, if your church is not growing. Or if your church is declining, uh, there are reasons for that uh, that we will uh, touch base on later on tonight. But church growth, the most important aspect of your church, is not how many people you have. Now he- hear me here: it is the quality of anointing in your in your in your uh, in your meeting. It's the quality of the anointing, like in Frederick. Uh, Pastor Dennis, there's a 30-minute prayer time. That's like the emphasis on Thursday nights or corporate prayer. And then there's a, obviously um, a, uh, a message. But he's teaching his people how to pray. Well, let me tell you, that is the birthplace of growth. I'd rather, Spurgeon said, I'd rather have 10 people that can know how to pray than 100 people that know how to preach. Right? Why, why would he say that? Why would he say that? Do we want 100 preachers? Yeah, of course we do. <laughs> but I want people that can pray so that God can absolutely give us something to say, right? Craig, did you have a hand a Yes, hand up? I
1: was going to say like during what you just said about um, having a service, but um, allocating a portion of that to praying. Now, is that um, just the leader praying and the congregation and listening or is it... Mm-hmm. Whoever you know, feel led to pray because I think that that's sure. I want to incorporate that. I wanna yeah. incorporate that and so I'm just trying to I'm just asking because I think it's, it's
0: useful. Please, yeah. So it's corporate prayer. Okay. So he starts it or he has someone in the church start it and there's maybe a focus. Tonight we're gonna to talk we're gonna pray for the persecuted church or tonight we're gonna to pray for families. Okay. So there's a there's a whole host of different prayer requests but it's not just one person praying it's corporate and by the way when you're in a corporate meeting uh, you want to have like Boyette's seen this Andrew's seen this uh, Yvonne's seen this and Frederick you want to you want to do it short and concise like you don't want somebody up there praying for 25 minutes uh, even though that's precious and everything but you want corporate prayer is you're engaging people and it's maybe a few minutes because otherwise people will just check out, they'll fall asleep, right? Right. So we do what's called praise and prayer here, which is an excellent um, way of music, worship, and prayer. And that's an excellent way where you have people standing, kneeling, you have people sitting. But every every so often, let's say there's prayer for 15 minutes and all of a sudden there's a worship song. It's an excellent way to engage people keep them sharp and to uh, be in a spirit of prayer because the least attended meeting in your ministry is the prayer meeting okay so how important is prayer prayer is the breath of the believer Luther said so again we're talking about growth here God adds to the church you know again when we think about prayer maybe it's not exciting but Uh, we understand that prayer is a supernatural thing, right? It really is. It's a supernatural thing. So we show up by faith and God meets us in it. So let's look at Ephesians 4.11. So we're talking about growth, growth. How is it, right now in America in particularly, the highest aspect of growth is church hopping, which means people will migrate from church to church based on event, based on a concert, based on popularity and charisma. Uh, So what happens when you grow based on church hopping? Well, the first trial you hit, you're going to lose them. They'll probably be gone. So you may grow incrementally or you may grow uh, slowly, but that's good. Slow growth, right? Nothing good happens fast. Nothing good happens fast. So you want to grow people or grow with people that are like-minded with you that love the word and that love the values that you're living by, okay? If you look at our church, uh, one of the key parts of growth is we are a word of God ministry. So you're going to learn your Bible in this church. If you're not interested in the Bible, you probably won't stay long, right? (laughs) Uh, Do we have a lot of fun in our church? Absolutely. Following God is a blast, uh, we're very creative in our approach, but not at the expense of Bible teaching, Bible discipleship, uh, small groups, evangelism, right? Evangelism, right? It's incredible. All right. So I want to so go over five M's. This is from Vance Havner. And um, when we talk about growth, uh, we talk about first, there's the M's. So the first part of growth is the man okay? And typically, it's this is called the M's of ministry. Okay, the M's of ministry. So if start, if it starts out first with the man. Okay, uh, our pastor had a vision back in the mid '60s, uh, and he saw God gave him a vision of ministry. And he was a young man in his 20s, working uh, as as a bakery bread deliverer, a bread delivery guy, and he was memorizing scripture, and God touched his heart about world missions, world missions. Now, so it starts with a man. It starts with something that God puts in a heart. Now, it could be a ministry. Let's say it's a woman's ministry. It would start, it starts with the leader. It starts with the person that, uh, let's say it's a homeless outreach. Again, it starts with A person. Isn't that amazing? God says, I'm looking for a man. All right. So let's look, let's look at Ephesians 4.11. So when we're talking about growth, uh, I want to make a point here about church government that uh, I put on our website, by the way, uh, that will help us understand that it's not just the man only, but it's a team that works with the man. Okay? So let me show you what I mean. Ephesians 4.11. Uh, and he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, and evangelists; some pastors, teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to all uh, to a perfect man, to the measure of stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting but but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is Christ the head okay great verse we we know these verses uh, a little bit <laughs> it's impossible to know these verses but so when you're talking about the man there's there's what's called the church government i'm doing this by memory cuz i I don't know how many have my the website up. Does anybody have the website up? So there's uh, what's called elders. There's what's called uh, deacons. Uh, there's called um, trustees. Thank you. And there's what's called uh, uh, depart- yeah, department heads. That's actually tr- well, that's deacons. Staff, and then you have the congregation, okay? So these are important. So elders, deacons, trustees, staff, and congregation. These are important subheads that in church government, that I'm sure you've taken already, uh, they are the structure of the church to care for the church, to care for the church, okay? And in Frederick, in particularly, we are uh, working with, um, we have uh, Boyette is one of our trustees. Uh, We have three elders, three trustees, and they have specific function that helps support the man, okay? The man that God put in the mission, that's the second M, the mission for the work of God. So an elder... Uh, who wants to read what I wrote there on, on the paper? Craig, go ahead. What, what do I say about elders? It's a, it's resource P. Yep, they develop the mission of the church. Okay. So what? So the pastor is the primary elder, but he has a group of men, and they develop the mission of the church. Okay, they sit with the head pastor. And they're interpreting his heartbeat about the church, okay, the elders. They make significant decisions uh, about the mission of the church to implement and enforce the vision of the pastor, okay? So the primary elder is the pastor, okay? In our case, it's Pastor Schaller, Mm -hmm. okay? A deacon's, what do we say about deacons? It says the
1: deacons, servant servant leaders, leaders. doing the mission of the church.
0: Okay, servant leaders, okay, doing the missions of the church. These can otherwise be known as department heads. Okay. Now, in our church, uh, so I'm a department head, but I'm also a department head over departments. So there's another subcategory of what's called supervisors. Uh, the whole point of that is we are working together to serve the elders to, again, implement the work of the church, okay? So our many missions, they must all enforce the original mission, which is to spiritually educate, <coughs> disciple, evangelize the lost, okay? Very <laughs> very simple. It's, it's not simple, but it is uh, a privilege. So deacons, so... In 2 Timothy 2, or Titus 2, Titus 2, you are looking for faithful people, Philippians 4:9. You're looking for people that are faithful, uh, they have a healthy family life, they are proven. You're looking for the characteristics of people that will serve the uh, the body of Christ and care for it. Acts 20:28. 20, to care for the body and not harm the body. Okay, so we're looking for serious people, not perfect people, but serious people to care for the body of Christ. Okay. Trustees, uh, this they pretty much work with the financial aspect of the church. A uh, boyat, do you remember what the definition we gave for trustees in our meeting?
2: Yes, uh, manages the financial and operation of the church.
0: Good. Okay. So they're working a lot with finances. They work with the bills a lot. They typically deal with any financial decision. They, They make decisions on how much money is to be spent, in what way. There's accountability. Like in our church, we have an outside program that audits us. So there's no confusion about how things are being spent. Okay. So the financial mission is very important in our church. What is our one second? What is our largest thing that we spend money on? Anybody know?
1: Mission.
0: Yeah, missions. missions. Good. So what's important to us is yes, local missions, national missions, but international missions is a huge emphasis. Yes, you uh, Why
1: is uh, the financial mission separated from the mission of the church? These old churches are working like that, or is the trustees sometimes only elders or deacons?
0: Uh, they can they can be they can uh, they can be both. They're not separate, but they're not all the trustees are going to deal with the elders. There are specific things where they are separated, okay. But predominantly, the trustees are going to be dealing with financial issues, okay. Staff is the team, right? What was our definition, Aaron? Team devoted to care for this sheep. Okay, devoted to care. Devoted to care, okay? Now, Yvonne, that's a great question, and there's a host of information I could give, (laughs) but depending on what style church management and leadership, uh, these are interchangeable, but this is a good this is a good kind of breakdown of, of, of a good structure. So in our church, 70% of our staff is volunteer, okay? The youth pastor, you have a nursery, you have uh, in-reach, outreach, counseling, you have a host of things. So your staff is made up of people from your congregation that have been proven, that have uh, volunteers that have really... Uh, gone and uh, had a good track record, but that are, are fruitful. Okay, and then you have the sheep, right? The congregation, okay? Now, it's really important, uh, and especially in the day and age we live in, that uh, we treat people not only with respect and dignity, but with great honor. Amen? Because everyone that walks through your doors is a gift, It's a miracle anybody shows up, to be honest with you. Um, So the man has a team, the mission of the church. Okay, what are we doing? What is it that we are devoted to be doing? And then it trickles down. And this is from Psalm 133. This is a great chapter, Psalm 133. The unity in this group of people will greatly enhance the power and fruitfulness of a church. Now, it, it is a crime or a tragedy if there is not unity between these, these groups. And this can happen. This can happen. You can, have a, you can have a deacon that's like has a personality conflict with somebody on the staff, or a trustee doesn't like the way the elder is not implementing his plan. So Psalm 133, let's just look at that for a minute. So unity comes at an exceptional price. It comes by us dying daily. <laughs> Isn't that true? Not everything that you want to have happen is going to happen. Even if you're a pastor, even if you're the pastor, you can present it. And and by the way, elders and deacons and trustees, they keep you accountable. So you're not out driving a Bentley on people's tithing, which is which is demonic, if we want to say it, to quote Daniel. I get sick into my stomach when I see pastors driving around in jets and Bentleys. It's like, I didn't want to hear anything you have to say to me. Why? Because that's a misuse of funds. I don't care what the reason is, okay? And that's, that's just my personal opinion. Because you want to spend the people's money for the mission of God. So I hope none of you have Bentleys here. Craig, what are you driving? Craig's driving a he's driving a Tesla. No, just kidding. No, I mean is it's like I've been I've heard churches that okay they do they do the offerings and they have the pastor's offering, then you have the you have the pastor's kids offering, and then you have the the pastor's wife's offering, and then this is the fifty dollar line, the hundred dollar line, and then the twenty dollar line. It's a mockery. And I, I, I hope those churches close down, to be honest with you. It makes me hot under the collar because it's a mockery. Okay, so Psalm 133. Can I, yes, uh, go ahead. Uh, Let's look at Psalm 133. I, 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 go ahead. I, um, like, what do you think um,
1: is too much? The reason I, I'm saying that because my church, you know, pays us to, and it's not a huge church, but it pays the it pays pastor over 100 a year. And, um, sometimes it's like you know, in my mind I'm like, man, is it justified?
0: Oh, if that's a not, great question.
1: You know, is it justified by that much? Could it be a little bit less? Could he live off? But then at the same time, you know, the scriptures that says that we ought to take care of, you know, our pastor, you know, who is, you know, a, a prophet should receive a powerful reward. This is my old, this is a church I just left a few months back. Uh huh. Um, and things like that. And the truth of the matter is, you know, it was maybe the, the biggest budget is the is, is payroll. <laughs> yeah, so that that
0: that's kind of an interesting statement right there. So that's really a question for the elders and the trustees, um, because what is your mission? Are we hitting the mission? Is everything in balance? Is everything in moderation? Uh, is the pastor living large? Uh, I can't answer that because I don't know all the details, but but that's not the model we see in the Bible. We don't see that model. Yes, we care for the leadership. We double honor, absolutely take care of them. But in excess, I mean, a a six-figure income, praise God. If, If the church is big enough to handle that without burden, praise God. But if it burdens the church, if it's the highest aspect of the church, you have to kind of ask yourself, uh, typically, in a normal budget, you want, you want a third of your money to go to housing, right? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, let's see if I can do the rest of this in my mind here. It goes in thirds. You third for your bills, right? And a third for, um, you know, just functionality, just as far as, like, travel, recreation, and spending. So a third, third, and third. But if your church is paying two-thirds out for a pastor's salary— and you're squeezing out everything else. In my mind, that's out of proportion. But I don't know all the details. I don't want. I don't want to be quick to say that.
2: No, no, no
1: you're right. You get it all right.
0: You get yeah, Daniel, do you have a question. What,
1: what's housing? What do
0: you need? Like apartment. Like in a normal budget, you, third of your money should be allotted for housing. If you're spending, okay, let's say you take in a thousand dollars a month, and your your housing is, uh, this is not. Proportionate, but let's just say you're paying half of that for housing. You're you're in a place that's too much for you. You want to pay maximum a third. A third of your income should be the ceiling for your housing. I got people in eighteen hundred dollar, two thousand dollar housing places, and they're scraping to pay their other. They're living outside their means, is what I'm saying. So if you're making five grand a month and Your mortgage is 1500 That's That's better. That's different. Yeah. Right. But if you're making two grand a month or a grand a month, you just, a third, third, and third is typically, not always, but typically a good benchmark. That's good. All right. Uh, I really want to continue. Did I answer that, Daniel? Yeah,
2: I just thought you were referring to the
0: church, the church yeah. bills. Oh, no, no. So, like, again, this is the work of the trustees. So typically, the pastor, you know, there's a parsonage, or his housing's covered, or he's given an allowance. Like, what's amazing in our church in years past is that the church did not even fund the, our pastor, our founding pastor. He didn't take a paycheck from the church. He was paid another way. Uh, we had businessmen that graciously gave out of their own pockets. So that happened for uh, 35 or 38 years here. So, Pastor Schaller, and I don't know the details here, he is very modest, and that's none of our business, but I can honestly tell you how, what I know of this man. He is a man that uh, is very um, humble, but also very prudent, frugal. But again, when you're dealing, when the church is looking at the pastor, um, again, you're not looking to have a castle of Bentley and this might sound funny, but in American missions, it's, it's crazy how pastors can be worth millions of dollars. Now, maybe they're authors. Hey, and God bless you. I know, I know pastors that make all their money through their books. I love it. Less stress on the church. That's what I'm saying. Don't stress out your church. Don't stress it out. Because you want, you want your money to go to the mission, right? you want, I mean, you can ask our trustees here at Greater Grace, most of our money, yes, we, we have payroll, but it's in proportion, if not under proportion, to our mission, to our schools. Our property here, That where you're sitting, is totally paid off. This whole plaza is totally paid off. How did that happen? It happened through the frugalness and wisdom of trustees and elders over the years. Isn't that awesome? That's
1: awesome. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. So... Financial, financial know-how is, uh, is a, that's why there's counsel and money. How many people get in trouble by money? It's crazy. It's crazy. Right? So this is why, personally, if you want to know about our finances, you can walk into our finance office and you can ask the the hard questions and, you know, we'll answer those questions. There's nothing to hide. A church that hides their money or uh, is shady with their money. Uh, that gives insecurity to the to the congregation. It's absolutely uh, not right. So our trustees, once a month uh, or once a quarter, I should say, they present how much money is being spent where, and you can your tithe dollars are all tracked. So at the end of the year, you get your tax statement. But you, like any good fiscal person, must know where your money goes, right? Right? we're starting a new church in Morocco. Like we're pushing the envelope in missions. Right, we're uh, we're creating a greater budget in the U.S. missions uh, theater, which I'm very interested in. Uh, U.S. missions to strengthen our 30 churches in the United States that are in great need of strengthening. Right. Um, so amazing, amazing. Okay. Uh, So finances, uh, and also uh, there's a lot of other uh, pitfalls that really need to be uh, careful, be careful with, right? It's better to be honest, transparent. If you can't be honest and transparent, uh, the devil will get in there, right? And money changes people. I I gotta say, if you got a problem with money or uh, the lust of money, uh, I personally, and my conviction is I don't go near the money not that I have a problem with money I don't have a problem with money but I'm just saying money changes people if you got somebody slipping you money let's say somebody in your congregation this is going to sound weird but I've seen it happen they 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 want to give you money for preferential treatment wow, wow. yeah I mean People are people. You, you, you've got people in your churches that maybe are just, that's the way they operate. They, they tip or bribe. It's like whenever there's money as leaders, we have to be very careful. Like I know in Frederick in particular, because our eyes are on it, the pastor does not get into the money. He doesn't. He has his elders do it, but specifically his trustees. That's why the counting of the offerings and all of this is handled by other people and they're held accountable. All right, let's look at Psalm 133 together. All right, uh, and I'll 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 tell you something. Here's interesting. In the Ukraine, uh, our people made very little money, like fifty dollars a month, little money. Okay, and uh, we were in a big building, and there was just like our heating bills would come in, and and um, I was like, Lord, we can't balance our budget. I mean, it's just not working. And the weirdest thing happened. I was just in prayer, and I'm like. The Lord said, I want you to start giving to missions. I said, what are you talking about? I can't even pay my heating bill, right? And the Lord said, give to missions. So we started, $25 a month, we started supporting a a missionary in the southern Ukraine. And you know what happened? It's amazing. Money started coming in from, I don't know, people got better jobs, people were more generous, people... uh, Anonymous gifts were given. I can't tell you. In giving to the mission, it balances your budget. So missions is really awesome. So if I could say this to you, define your mission clearly, right? Define your mission clearly and um, make, you know, obviously your pastor will, will define that. So Psalm 133, unity. If there is dissension in the ranks here, it's going to affect the congregation, you know, we're dealing with a, a church, not our church, but another church. Uh, and I don't know about you, when I hear about a church split, I get sick. I get nauseous, personally, because I don't think that should happen. But they do happen, unfortunately. And um, so we, we're I'm involved in a situation where we're trying to to save a church. Not our church, but um, it was one of our pastors that left our ministry for many, many years and now they're moving on, and they're giving over the church to another denomination. And they've gone from seven hundred people to one hundred people. Okay, now just just think about the decline. So we're uh, we're reaching out to that pastor and saying, "Listen, let us help you, because you're bleeding sheep. You're bleeding sheep, and the, the sheep are confused. There's there's absolutely um, uh, the person that's working with that." A church right now is not like-minded. They're actually presenting a whole other denomination. Wow. So, uh, so we're trying to work to stop the bleeding of the sheep. So, uh, anyway, that is exciting to see. There's some hope there because the leader is actually becoming humble and willing to work with us. So,
2: but this is also biblical, Pastor. I mean, the, the man calls this. It's good that division is happened between you because. But that one, like, we are, like, we are seeing the,
0: uh-huh. God
2: is with food, you know? Like, somebody, sometimes God, I think, let
0: the, the division happen. Yeah, he, he does. He's always finding the leaven, right? He's purging out the, 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 uh, the leaven. So, so we're saying unity here, right? This is Ephesians 4, 2, and 3, right? Endeavor. Fight for unity, okay? That's why prayer... Communication, clear communication, and um, you know our pastor used to say this: If you hear uh, a negative report against another person, you've broken thirty-eight doctrines in the Bible. Wow. Thirty-eight. If you hear, what? if you hear, if you listen to an evil report and repeat it, oh. thirty-eight doctrines are broken. Wow. So I know the way I was brought up is none of these. Men or women are better than anybody. We all put our pants on the same way, as we could say. But the office, Hebrews 13:7 and 13, 17, there's double honor because the, the one that's greatest among you is your servant. So there's it's not that anyone's better, it's just the office is very sacred. So you want to protect, you want to protect your relationship. Like I know with our staff. We meet once a week. There's staff prayer. There's staff meetings. There's staff interaction. Pastor Schaller's style is very, it's called secretarian. It's very interactive. He leans heavy on his staff, uh, and he has a good relationship with his staff. If you're not communicating with your staff on a regular basis, then someone else will be communicating with your staff. It's called the devil, right? So neutrality... Or is, is not an option in ministry. It's either you're advancing or declining. So communication, connection, these things are critical to protecting unity and building together, right? Let's read it, Psalm 133. Who wants to read Psalm 133? I, 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 Go ahead, nice and loud. Uh,
1: verse one?
0: All of it, yep.
1: Okay, I'm, I'm reading out of the NIV. Is that Okay.
0: It's not okay. Okay. I'm going to ESV then. I'm going to ESV then. The not inspired version. Okay. No, I'm sorry. I'm Actually, you know what? I heard something and I I'm just gonna say it straight up. The NIV and, and I this is not at you at all, Craig, but you're awesome. But the NIV's had had some serious problems. There's I, I guess there's like a lesbian on their on their on the board. On their board, but also it's missing words and that's kinda of why I'm just playing with you. I know. ESV is a good I reading version.
1: Um, it, said, it says, behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron running down on the collar of his robe. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the, mount, on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore.
0: Beautiful beautiful. Okay? So where's unity come from? From
1: the head.
0: Comes from above, right? Yep. So the one that pioneers or starts the work uh, the leadership that they initiate the one thing that that the leader is doing right at the beginning is multiplication. Multiplication, right? Um, they're looking to yes, start a work, but they're discipling people as they do the work. Because what's happens is if we hold on to our work, and we're just it's it's all about me keeping it and pushing everyone away. Uh, we're going to progress on this after the break. Is when it's time to transition, or if something happens to the leader, the the actual organization falls apart and/or dies. Yeah, says, yeah
2: something really good about that actually. He says, if I go to mission field, if I have a, a hundred people, I'm just uh, like uh, spending my all time to, the, uh, to grow up the leaders, maybe five, maybe 10 people. Uh-huh. Because I know that I need, I cannot help everybody. I need to find who has a gift from the God, who has a, a capability to, to, be, to be grow up. I'm giving my all time to, do, uh, to them, to make them, you know. Yes. Yeah. Actually, it means like I'm preparing my team.
0: Yes. I hope in this class you've caught that same spirit, like team building, people building. It's, it's absolutely everything, you know. So maybe just to close, we'll take our break. Uh, the elders, deacons, trustees, staff, congregation. I mean, the congregation obviously is the sheep. When the sheep sees unity, there will be safety, security. There'll be confidence, right? So the congregation in making decisions in some denominations, the elders will present to the congregation, okay, these are some things we're thinking about. Uh, so for instance, uh, elders, you know, elders are chosen uh, by the congregation, but the deacons are, are chosen by the elders. okay There's different rules where trustees are typically chosen by the elders and the staff is, cho- is chosen by the elders. And, uh, but the congregation can be very much involved with the work of the ministry, okay? So major decisions, uh, the congregation can have a say, and then it's worked out to complement the pastor's vision. So unity is like we're one, right? And, and differences doesn't mean disunity. It means that we come and present and pray and pray and pray and prove all things and maybe there's a change of mind, or there's a change of implementation, but ultimately the mission <laughs> is what the pastor's heart his heart is. Right? Make sense. Mm-hmm. So let's stop there because the next four M's are gonna be uh, are gonna be uh, a full thought. So let's take a 10-minute break. Amen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Easiest thing. Yeah. All right. All right. Y'all, y'all ready? Y'all yes. breaked up? Yes. Air yeah Yep. All right, okay. All right. So we talked about the man, right? So let me just give you the next is movement. And I'm not even getting to uh, what I want. I mean, tonight I wanted to go into the um, and I I need to get there. So movement. So the movement is when the ideas and the mission spreads beyond the man. OK, Uh. People become part of it, people are starting to get behind him, and there is a real energy behind the, uh, the mission, okay? And the movement begins, okay, uh, where they concentrate on the basics of their faith, scripture, and basic discipleship, okay? So this is exciting, this begins to, so it goes beyond one person and now it's a team of people, okay, the movement. All right. So that's not a bad word. It just means that now people are getting behind you. Mm-hmm. The third thing is the machine. Mm. OK, and this is good and bad. So so what happens is things grow. Things become mechanical structure, organization, routine. Nothing wrong with that. OK, you need systems. You need builders. and You can't only have visionaries. You need people. That are going to do the the uh, the how tos. Okay, one problem. Okay, the machine. Which, if you look at any uh, processing plant, they're just more efficient. It's very helpful, but if the machine, if the if the system becomes more important than faith, or more important than the reliance of the Holy Spirit, or more reliant uh, you're more reliant on your system than on the on the Holy Spirit. There's something that happens, and it's called crystallization. Crystallization. So we know that when things stop moving, like we'll just look at a just look at a, a pond, right? If there's no current, what happens? Gets stagnant. Gets stagnant, right? Or if it's in the, if it's in the uh, winter time, right? Uh, It freezes. So nothing wrong with the man inspires a movement. People are getting excited. There's uh, energy and joy and vitality. And now, hey, now we're going to disciple and multiply and duplicate. All these are great. But the moment we leave the dependence of the Holy Spirit and the basics of the faith, we don't pray anymore or we don't have that reliance. We move away from scripture and start getting into these trendy things. Crystallization happens. And this is where a church dies. It dies years before it's evident. Okay, So so it becomes uh, rigid, predictable, all in the name of proficiency. And now... Uh, there and if you look at our pastor, he's very sensitive about spontaneity, uh, unpredictableness, and preserving scripture, preserving prayer, preserving discipleship. Okay, and this is why people might say, "Oh, you, you're old-fashioned," you know, or "Why don't you get more relevant?" The church is not told to be relevant, by the way. Okay, the Bible is relevant because it's timeless, right? So I don't want to be a hipster Jesus kind of guy. I, I, wanna, I wanna have a clear message, Jesus plus nothing. I wanna have creativity, you wanna have creativity. We wanna be engaging our youth, we wanna have coffee shops and, and fun things that engage the youth and be a little crazy, but not at the expense of the core doctrine, okay? Or the core reason. So when, we, when things crystallize, the machine becomes a monument So instead of moving, now we're stationary. And that's dangerous, okay? So structure, we become more uh, uh, business-like. And um, the focus becomes more like, um, okay, let's stay in our comfort zone. Let's not like, risk is, is kind of like not really talked about. Listen, we got to, and don't misunderstand me, the infrastructure of the church, the color of the church, the, the drapes, the, the lawn, the parking lot, all these things, and, and there's times for that, but it becomes the major focus of the church rather than soul, souls preaching and discipleship. So stationary, we become stationary. And then the monument becomes a mausoleum. Okay, This is interesting, okay? Yeah. A mausoleum, M-A-U. S O L, S O L E U M becomes a mausoleum. Okay, everyone's been in a mausoleum, right? So it's uh, so people lose interest. They grow weary. They give up. They uh, they begin to say these statements. Oh, the good old days. You know what happened to the good old days? You know, and all of a sudden it's like there's death. There's death, right? And uh, people become self-centered, and, and uh, they enter into this idea of, of like, um, again, no, no real pushing of the frontier, but now it's preservation, and there's death. It's kind of like denominations that do not uh, invest in their young people. They become mausoleums. They die out. Okay? And then lastly, they become a museum. <laughs> and I don't say that it in, in, with joy. What museum? Ever been to a museum? Yeah. It's real quiet. Museum, right? See the woolly mammoth there. They are the great woolly mammoth that was once was this great thing, and now it's a stuffed whatever mammal. Okay. The museum. People can can uh, look at it as a spectacle. Uh, There, again, it's outdated. Uh, and again, the museum is something that was once was. And uh, again, it's death. It's there's no movement. There's no life. And then actually, um, it's Ichabod. God is the glory of God has departed. Okay. So how does this happen? The man is on fire. People are inspired. The machine. There's and nothing wrong with the machine. I work with a machine. I'm the. I work with in reach departments. So. There are systems. We have a strategy. As a locomotive cannot run without a track. I'm all about programs, but big but here, they've got to be spirit-filled. They've got to be flexible. They've got to be in in tune with the pastor's vision. Uh, because if crystallization happens, guess what? <coughs> Things slow down, and they become they become more of a stationary thing, and uh, and a, a mausoleum. There's death and then there's a museum, okay? Isn't that interesting? Very interesting. So this is the big picture, all right? All right. So let me shift here, okay? So growth, how does growth happen? We are moving away from anything that is uh, not walking in faith in Hebrews 11, 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, okay? Whatever is not as faith is sin because it's originating in man. So as leaders, we're on our face before God saying, God, please breathe, speak, keep me sharp to the move of the spirit, because growth in your church is, the, is really determined by the quality of anointing and the move of the spirit in your meetings, in your conversations. In your prayer groups i don 't care if you have five people or five hundred people Paul's saying in first corinthians fourteen i 'd rather speak words with with understanding than thousands without understanding and one, one pastor says it doesn 't matter how many people you seat in your church. it matters how many people you send out of your church wow. right so again, movement, movement, moving forward, movement, and um, i can 't say that enough how the devil wants to crystallize churches covid crystallized and killed churches that had been crystallized or monuments for a long time and that that's no indictment but it just became obvious right because the church the new testament church of acts 2 what did they do in persecution what did they do they grew they mobilized right what did daniel do did daniel change his message uh, to, to Nebuchadnezzar, what did Daniel do? What did Daniel Flores do?
2: <laughs> he <laughs> spoke. <laughs> he God.
0: He worshipped. He prayed. Right? The three, the three—not um, amigos, but the three uh, Hebrew boys. <laughs> Hebrew boys. <laughs> what happened to them? We're not quick. We're not. We're not ashamed to tell you what's in our mind. The yeah. Everyone change their name, change their identity, change their message. It's like. Nope, not for sale. Nope, nope, nope. So as leaders, it's really important that we're in tune to the Holy Spirit more than being in tune to trends. All right. Let me shift. And I I, I really want to. uh, Okay, this book. Okay. How many of you have been enjoying this book all by itself? How many are writing your reports? Okay, it's two pages. Don't, don't, I mean, just take your time. Why I like this book, I'll tell you why. So this book has a unique perspective. It really does. And I want to highlight some points because I chose this book, among others, that I put on there. Uh, and on that, on your syllabus, you have several, um, you know, Beyond the First Visit, Fusion, and um, you have different uh, book, uh, books that really highlight that I've read and, and reread and implemented a lot. But this book, uh, it has an approach that I think is valuable. And I want to kind of touch on a couple thoughts, okay? Daniel, did you have a question? Yeah,
2: just
0: um, those, those were the five Ms, right? Yes. Okay. Five Ms. No, notice them. You will need to remember those for the final, okay? All right. So I want to kind of blow through this next this next part here, because um, I want you to understand why I rec- I put this book as, as, a, uh, as, a, as, a, uh, as a requirement, okay? So, uh, Christian Schwartz, this man is a German pastor, and he has an amazing ministry of strengthening and building churches. You can read about him. But why I like this church is because his emphasis is that growth takes place uh, with removing obstacles, okay? That's kind of the heart of the book. Growth happens when you remove obstacles, okay? And his mechanism is uh, he has eight points that show uh, ways to uh, remove obstacles and also infuse and allow the flow of the Spirit to move you forward, okay? So in the book, he talks about the windmill principle, okay? This is on page, uh, I think, 63. So his principle is, I, I want to kind of highlight some things here, okay? It's on the on the website too, so don't burn your hand here, but just listen. So the windmill principle is... Uh, you can have wind at your face. Anybody ever walk in wind? Right. I remember being in St. Petersburg, Russia, and it was minus forty degrees, and it was a the wind was serious. Okay, and it's like there you are, and you got to stand, and you're just kind of doing the surfing, and you're doing the body surfing, right? That can be church life. Okay, you're fighting everything it seems, but it's a whole nother thing when you got wind from your back. So instead of advancing. Uh, in, in a in a um, in the resistance, you're being pushed. Okay, that's the principle that he's bringing out in this book. Okay, so he um, he is working with empirical learning, which is a process of learning that is based on a number of different objects. Okay, so he is talking about observable characteristics, and he's also dealing with things that. Uh, obstacles and things—how to turn obstacles into resources. Okay. Does any of this sound familiar? Yes. How far have you read in the book? You're looking at me like, what, are we, what am I talking about? Does this sound familiar? That's on
1: page 23.
0: Thank you. How far are you in the book, anybody? How many have read a few chapters? Okay. All right. If you haven't, maybe this will sound new to you, but it's okay. Uh, so the principle here. Is uh, we're removing obstacles that prevent growth. Remember that paper I gave you that talked about the square wheels on the cart, yep. and the idea of that square wheels was the round wheels were in the cart, and the square wheels were on the on the cart. I'm sorry, the square wheels were on the cart, and the round wheels were in the cart. And the idea was people people can be your greatest asset, or your greatest uh, greatest resource, or your greatest Problem. Okay. So the idea is, and he gives these eight characteristics that you want to discover people, and I think we've talked about that, and put people in the right place. And we do that through training and through uh, giving them an opportunity to serve. Okay. So uh, the first part of the book discovers eight quality characteristics that really describe uh, how to empower people. Okay, let me give you these eight things. Do you have this? Empowering leadership, gift based ministry, passionate spirituality, effective structures, okay, effective structures, okay? Inspiring worship, holistic small groups, need oriented evangelism or evangelism, and then loving relationships. So he takes these eight principles and this is how he turns the wind coming against him, culture, a neo-pagan mindset that we have, a declining church, all of that's turned around and it's now pushing us forward in putting people in the right place and discipling them in the word of God, okay? Okay. Because we don't build churches, we build people that build churches. That's like critically important. Okay, so, so again, hindrances. What are some hindrances to growth? Talk to me. What are some hindrances to growth not in your church? Go ahead. Clear
2: vision,
0: not clear vision. Good. Untrained, uh, leaders. untrained leaders. Excellent.
2: Putting people in the right place, just putting people into the
0: plans. Okay. Throwing people at needs, using people. Good. Talk to me. What else is hindering you in the church? Lack of vision. Lack of vision, yep. Yeah. But
1: not a relevant biblical message.
0: Okay, very good. Very important. Okay. Very important. Your message. That's the place we cannot dilute. We want a compassionate message. We want a grace oriented message, but we want a message that's like rooted in the Bible. You have to have it. Okay, good. What's another thing? What's another hindrance, Pastor Olu? Think with me. Lack of communication. Lack of communication. Good. No
1: discipleship.
0: No discipleship. Good.
1: No
0: visitation. No, visitation. no evangelism. Okay.
1: No follow up. No mother. No mother.
0: No evangelism—that's a big one. Didn't you say, uh, and right. Emmanuel actually was joking here, but actually he's very good. Your kids—if there's no emphasis and care for the mothers or children—guess what? You're you're not gonna you're not gonna reach families that stay in your church outside of your message, outside of your um, missionary program. The third thing, yes, worship, of course, but you want to target a place for families to come and actually be able to receive the message. So that's a great point. Okay, what's another hindrance?
1: No rap sessions or teaching classes.
0: Okay, very good. Discussions. It's amazing how many people have said to us, uh, we've never been to a church where we could actually ask the pastor a question. Okay, really important discussions, Q&A. And if someone disagrees with you and gets in your face, You know, it's not time to be Mike Tyson or anything. We just relax. (laughs) We relax and just say thank you for your idiotic answer. No, just kidding. (laughs) thank you for your question. I'll pray on it. (laughs) Sorry, don't say that. How you respond is also really good. Okay, what else? I was going to say no body life. No body life. Can you manufacture body life, Craig? No. How does body life happen?
1: Fellowship. Christ. It's like around
0: the body. Spirit filled people, fellowship. Uh, it's Christ centered. Amen, Nikki. Food. Amen. Taco Tuesday. Here we go. Okay. Alright, Matthew seven. Let's look at this. Matthew seven. So I like this book because it's it's provoking people. Okay. Um we have resources, and what I say, I want to say this in a sacred way, because we know in Acts chapter 2, it's we're committed to the Bible, we're committed to prayer, we're committed to the apostles' doctrine, we're committed to uh, Matthew 28, 18 and 19, evangelism, discipleship, baptism. But I will say this, God's given you resources where you are and how you use those resources can determine growth or can determine resistance. Okay, Matthew 7. And so what I like about this book is he challenges us to, to think about how we're using people and uh, discipling and training and um, putting them in the right places. So again, he talks about uh, okay the minimal, the minimum factor. Okay, and he talks about different analogies and talks about the weakest link. And again, he's addressing uh, how to maximize God's blessing. Okay, so in our church in particular, what is the core blessing of our church? What would you say our core blessing is in our church? Like when a new person comes, what is it that they see? Okay, the love of Christ. Okay, that is... Unity. That's another big one. Good.
2: Biblical
0: message. Biblical message. They see a mission, right, to the whole world, right? So you want to identify that, and you want that to flow out. He brings out a great principle about the barrel in this book, where uh, we can have the uh, the unit to uh, to to carry the vessel to carry the content, but the content is the Holy Spirit, okay? So we can play church, we can have a great organization, but be dead as a doornail, right? But when you and I are lifting up Christ in John chapter 12, the focus is on the work of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the word, and stepping out in faith, and God fills our barrel, and then there's a flow. There's a flow, right? That's why in worship... Worship can be very mechanical, but we want to be conscious of the mood of the spirit. Let's say you're having an amazing worship session. Don't just get up there and do business as usual and, and quench the spirit after amazing worship session and go into your routine. Maybe God would say, like, I don't know if you've seen this before, pastor's been very silent after some of these worships. And just for a few minutes, he stands up and says, okay, let's pray. And if any of you have worked with, I don't know if any of you have worked with the the order of service I have, Pastor Schaller is constantly changing up the order because he is sensitive to the mood of the spirit. Because here we are, we're all a bunch of barrels, but we're empty. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So again, our own order can be an obstacle. It can be. We're reliant on our plan, and we're not reliant on the Spirit. That's a big obstacle. Now, I'm not saying don't be organized, but I'm saying don't be so organized the Holy Spirit has no room to move in your ministry. How many times has God changed up the plan? This recently happened to me. Uh, I was in Delaware, and uh, I had a message prepared. And on my way up driving, the Holy Spirit said, that's a good message for you. I have another message. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I, I, you know, because I like to study, be prepared. I got up to the pulpit and I preached another message. And it was obviously from the Spirit because several people came up to me afterwards and said I needed that word. I was going to preach on something totally different. Had a plan. When you're planned, it's okay. But you can be spontaneous when you're planned. You can't be spontaneous if you're winging it. And people know when you're winging it. So that's really important. Like obstacles, don't be over- uh, prepared in the sense of n- we can't be flexible. All right. You know when the spirit's saying, okay, stop, do this, wait, okay, say this or or continue. You know, it's it's that sensitivity is invaluable, okay? All right. Um there the third part of the book is about the technocratic, again approach about church development. He illustrates uh about how a robot is different from a person, okay? Very interesting. What's the difference between a robot and a person? The will. Well, yeah, free will, right. But what, what's another difference? Life. Life comes from the, the heart, all right? Beautiful, okay? And again, uh, the last section of the book talks about implementation, Okay. So um, let's look at this in Matthew 7 for a minute. So uh, I like how he challenges us to think about, uh, do we have wind moving us forward or is it a constant struggle, right? So uh, finances can be an obstacle. People can be an obstacle. Uh, You know, I don't work with negative people. If If I have a negative person on my team, I'm like, thank you, but I will not give them anything to do. I'm sorry. I'll let you take yourself out of this mission until there's repentance. And you should do the same. I mean, negative people will kill your mission. So you're loving and caring. And if you have a good relationship with somebody, you should be very direct with them saying, listen, your negativity is killing faith. So unless you get... That right with God, you know, you're going to be a wonderful spectator in the church. <laughs> Not going to use a negative person, Daniel. And then look, let's look at Matthew seven seventeen. Go ahead, Daniel. Um,
2: oh, just a very short story, but uh, I was working today with Jesse, and then something like went wrong. And then I said, man, this is all bad. Like this is going to be a terrible fix. We have to do this, this, this. this. Like I just kept on going, and then he said, hey, bro. I'm Can you stop saying that? Because you're really killing my vibe right now. Killing your (laughs) vibe. That's wrong, he said. I said, you know that I'm sorry. I said, we can fix it. It's just going to take a lot. And like, just to go on with what you're saying, it really does not help negativity.
0: (laughs) Uh, We all know the problems, right? Oh, this city is not open. Oh, really? Yes. Really, it's not open? Huh. I think prayer unlocks any city. (laughs) Prayer, uh, unlocks every
1: city.
0: prayer unlocks every city. In Delaware, in particular, we saw that we're starting a prayer a prayer breakfast for um, the first Sunday of the month or first Saturday of the month. Organized thirty other churches and just prayed. And the mayor came to one of our meetings because he learned that 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 um, thirty churches were on their knees praying for his city. He says, he says, I see how crime has gone down. And he was a believer. He said, I believe that this is directly related to prayer. And he became one of our great supporters. Great doors opened. The lieutenant, um, lieutenant governor came to one of our prayer meetings. We had, we had um, civic leaders at our prayer meetings for many years. And uh, because one lady said to me, she goes, we don't have answers for our city. I was like, praise God, let's get on our knees. So we had like 70 or 80 people. I'm not even joking. 70 or, 70 or 80 people on their knees. We had a great breakfast. We got Nikki with the food. Amen to that. And then you know how prayer breakfasts are. We eat for an hour and pray for 10 minutes. No, 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 no. No, no. We, we had a good breakfast and then we prayed. And then we, it was really amazing because we prayed specific agendas and we prayed systematically and we engaged people. And uh, that prayer breakfast has been going on for five years. And uh, it's prayer unlocks the city, right? If if you're hitting resistance, uh, maybe we're too big. We got to get on our knees and say, God, how is it that we can defeat the devil? Uh, really, only you can defeat the devil. So, all right, Matthew 7:17. 7, great point here about the seed, okay? The seed. And this is the whole core of a... Of a of uh, of a church, okay? So when you look at this principle here, uh, they're not looking at the tree necessarily, they're looking at the fruit, amen? The fruit, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, verse 18, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So situations may challenge you to rethink your strategies, and that's good. Right? That's good. Here's some great other, Matthew 4.14 and 1 Peter 1.23, Luke 8.11. The seed, the seed is the word of God, the word of God, word of God. That doesn't mean I'm lecturing 24 hours a day, but maybe in our small groups we found that the Socraterian approach has been very helpful, engagement, interaction, questions, um. really it's your content your content is what's going to be the key to your growth because people in America want to know the Bible oh people say oh America's been evangelized I am sorry it is not do you know it's amazing you know what the third America is the third largest unreached people group wow. and you know what the two are before it China and India you say I don't believe it. I can show you why. Because what happens is this next generation—no clue. I'm serious. You see it, right? You see it. It's incredible. So the third largest unreached people group are in our own nation, wow. and not only to not only to say the the diversity. I sat with an amazing group of Koreans recently. And they're like, they have a beautiful church, a mission church in Manassas, Virginia. And you know what their their mission is? To evangelize America. And they're Koreans. I said, I love you guys. It's interesting. Do you know Koreans? Koreans have over 100,000 missionaries. You know how much a year? And America has under 40,000 now. So we used to be the leaders But our client nation status is going away. And we're seeing that client nation status happen in in Asia. Specifically, Korea is prospering. But it all directly relates to what? The seed. The seed. The seed. Okay? So, the windmill. All right. Uh, So, growth is hindered by those quality characteristics that are least developed, okay? So tell me three things I just told you about obstacles. What's one of the obstacles?
2: People.
0: People. If your people are under-challenged, under not interested, guess what? They're gonna be your hindrance. They're gonna tell you all the reasons why you shouldn't do things, okay? That's why you, you need to be a little radical and not a people pleaser, it's like, Listen, we're gonna are gonna we're gonna believe God for uh, eight churches in our city, and you're looking at three people. It's like, okay, how's that gonna happen? I have no idea that's gonna happen, but why not? Our God is big, right? Yes, He is. You're setting the tone. People are not gonna grow beyond you. So, so people, what's another hindrance that that can be a resource? Again, think about this hindrance. Oh, I'm fighting people. No, 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 no. I want to train them, disciple them, so they become a resource. What's another thing? What did we just say? Content. Content. Content, Content is the core. Yeah, but what is a what is an obstacle? Engagement.
2: Money. Engagement.
0: Okay, money. Good point. Mm-hmm. Good point, trustees. Your mission is not driven by money. What's your mission driven by? Vision. 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 Vision Vision from God. If I made decisions based on money, good Lord. God will give money to what is his will, right? His will,
1: his
0: bill. Awesome. His will, his bill. I'm stealing that. I love it. I love it. I told my son tonight, he's like, Dad. He said, I have a loose tooth. He said, I, I want a I Ben Franklin for my loose tooth. <laughs> I go, Carson, who's on, the ben, who's on the $100 bill? Ben Franklin. Ben, is it Ben Franklin? No. No, that's Grant. That's $50. Who's on the $100 bill? It is Ben Franklin. Okay, you made me nervous there. Ulysses Grant is on the $50. I'm like, Carson, how about a Washington? <laughs> I said, how about a Washington? which is a $1 bill. He goes, he goes, Dad, come on. What about a Jefferson? I said, jeez, I'm going to go broke. This kid's eight years old. He's working it. He is working it. All right. Holy moly. All right. So we either harness the wind or we fight against it. Oh, man. Oh, man. So, so people, finances. What's another obstacle that can be a resource? Yvonne, let's, let's hear from you. You're Satan. Satan, absolutely. He, he's not a resource though. But that's a great point. We are we're not ignorant. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 of his. Does he want a church in your city? No. In York? No. Satan does not want a church in York, Pennsylvania.
2: He no, is right? part
0: of the world I think. I think. That's really pop
2: dumb. What's that, Pastor Olu? I said he wants a Pop
1: Center.
0: Not in judge. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Good. All right, so give me the give me the eight points again, okay? What are the eight points?
2: Empowering
0: people. Empowering leadership. Mm-hmm. Gift based ministry. Gift based ministry, right? So we're discovering people's gifts, putting them in the right place. Mm-hmm. That takes time, right?
1: Passionate spirituality.
0: Okay, and that is what we could say is where Scripture is really the main point. We want to have a biblically-centered uh, biblically centered spirituality, obviously, right? People might be looking for experiences. I had somebody tell me straight up, they said, your church doesn't represent the five-fold ministry of the Holy Spirit. I said, really? I said, okay. I said, tell me about those fivefold ministry of the Holy Spirit. I had a great conversation. I wasn't like reactionary. I said, said, if you're looking for people to be rolling around and and doing all these things, I said, you're not gonna find it here. Maybe there'll be there'll be a demonstration of the Holy Spirit through the word, through joy, through a demonstration of love. But if you're looking for Wow, the Yeah. Anyway, I want, to be, I want to be careful there just because we want to just address people's capacities. We don't want to, like, drop the velvet hammer on people, right? We just want to very Yeah. Okay, what's another one, Yvonne? What's the next one?
1: Effective structures.
0: Okay, what, what are we talking about there? Effective structures. What are we saying there? Remember the five M's, right?
1: Yeah, you continue to grow, the structure. Make sure, is it the structure geared to growth.
0: Good. Good. Holy Spirit driven structures. Okay. Good. Systems are great, but it's like, you know, that's another thing. In in our church we have a lot of needs, but maybe we put everything aside and we pray. Or maybe we maybe put everything aside and we um again are spontaneous by the leading of the spirit. Okay, what's the next one?
1: Inspiring worship service.
0: Good. Good. Inspiring worship service. Good. Holistic small groups. Isn't that good? Yes. Holistic. Holistic. So that that's it's it's addressing the whole person. Yep. Okay. So a midweek service. The percentage of in America of churches that meet midweek is very small. Mm-hmm. In our church it's a culture. We meet three times a week. So maybe in your church you would do something, a small group. Not to replace a service, but Maybe in new church plants, that's the idea is the small group would grow into a church, okay? Mm-hmm. But small groups are a great way of discipleship and um, ways to help keep follow-up. Mm-hmm. All right, what's the next one? Love and relationships. Good, okay. That's body life, mm-hmm. the one and others. What was the one before that?
1: Need orientated evangelism.
0: Okay. Now, evangelism, yes, could meet the need, but it's ultimately meeting the obvious need to make room for the spiritual need, okay? Good. Maybe we'll stop there. Uh, This book is a power, a little powerhouse here. Um, Some things I would, you just eat the chicken, spit out the bones. Some things you may not agree with, it's okay. Uh, For the most part, I think it's 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 kind of like a different perspective on... Not just saying, oh, this is like a a difficulty, but how can I make that difficulty a resource? That doesn't mean I'm going on vacation with my enemy, by the way. If I have an enemy or a person that's like not liking me, I'm not going to bend over backwards to win that person in my flesh. But if we're going to preach the word and be biblically centered, people will either stay because of that or they won't stay. By the way, it's very interesting, and I'll close here. A lot of people are looking for soulish relationships. Have you noticed that? Leaders, people are like wanting a friendship or wanting something more than uh, they want a soulish connection. And it's okay to have friendships and good times with people, but if we're Christ-centered, that's got to be the heart of why we're meeting together. Right? Right? We're going to go bowling together. Great. But we're going to talk about God eventually, you know. Everything is seed oriented, right? This is what we're talking about. It's seed. It's the seed that multiplies. It's the seed that grows. It's the seed. The quality of the seed produces the quality of the fruit. Amen. All right. So next Friday is Thanksgiving, Thursday and Friday. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, we won't have class. So I'm sorry to say. So what? Huh? have on Tuesday? Oh, yeah. There will be classes Tuesday. But Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, there will be no classes. Okay. Um, the following Friday, we will meet. And then that next day will be the caroling and Frederick. And then we have... The 10th will be our review, and then the 17th will be our final, okay? Lord, bless these thoughts. God, help us, Lord, to identify hindrances and get your mind on how to turn them into resources. So bless our class these thoughts today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, God bless you.